This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. When you were a kid, were you ever asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And maybe you said, wow, I'm going to be an airline pilot. I want to travel the world. I want to fly all over the globe. Or maybe you thought, and you said, I'm going to go work in Hollywood. I'm going to go make movies. Or maybe you said, I'm going to be president of the United States. And then you heard, oh, girls don't do that. Or even worse, girls can't do that. Did you believe that lie? How did you respond? Well, if you're anything like my next guest, you refuse to hear it. You did not listen. My guest today is Amy DeLuise. She's an award-winning writer, producer, director, working in video, branding, and storytelling. She's a successful entrepreneur and the founder of a multimedia production company, DeLuise Enterprises. Amy's client includes Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, association, and nonprofits. Amy's also a sought-after speaker, mentor, and the author of two books and 11 LinkedIn courses focused on video production and business. Amy's passion, Gals in Gear, is the movement she founded to support, amplify, and inspire women leaders working in media, tech, and entertainment at every stage in their career. Amy, welcome. I'm really thrilled you're here today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, let's jump in. Uh, First question is, how did you get started in media and what was your experience, if any, of gender bias when you started your career? Sure. Well, I got started a kind of interesting backdoor way, I guess I would say. I was a, a temp at a shipping company, um, which I knew was not my destiny. I thought I might be in PR advertising after studying English in college, and I was a good writer. And uh, I happened to be flipping through a business magazine we had in the office and noticed an article about a brand new television production company that had just launched in my neighborhood in Washington, D.C., And so I literally just picked up the phone and cold called them and said, hey, do you need a production assistant, which back in those days was called a girl Friday, by the way. Um, uh, And uh, they said, I don't know, maybe why don't you come and and meet us? So I went over there and pitched myself and just said I could do everything. And that's basically what I learned how to do. So it was it was a great start in one way in that. Uh, I just dove in. I learned how to log footage. I learned how to organize shoots. I learned how to put together budgets back in the day when nobody knew quite how to use Excel. And I, you know, unwrapped the box and figured it out. Um, So in that sense, it was a a great start. Um, And I got my big break on one of our shows when the writer got pneumonia. And somebody said, well, okay, kid, you majored in English at Yale. You write this copy for Barbara Walters. (laughs) And so I got my first on-screen credit and I really got bitten by the bug of 
nonfiction storytelling, which was what that company specialized in. Um, to the second question you asked about gender bias, absolutely. That was the sort of dark underside of that job. I, uh, my boss basically propositioned me every single day and um, then tore me apart in front of the rest of the team when I declined and basically made my life miserable. And I was basically becoming physically sick going into that job. And luckily, a location manager who we had worked with on some commercials, Carol Fleischer, who I still thank to this day, uh, she wrote me a little note and said, when you quit, not if, when you quit, call me, I'll get you work. So I quit and I called her and uh, entered the world of feature films and commercials and sort of high-end productions and narrative productions, which really gave me a whole second education. I learned so much uh, because I hadn't gone to film school. So I worked on a lot of those movies and commercials uh, and worked my way up through those departments. So it was um, a two-sided experience. Mm -hmm. The positive and the negative. And I love that there was a woman who reached out to you and said, hey, when you quit, because we know people leave, they don't leave bad jobs, they leave bad bosses. Um, so I can kind of see where we're going here is what were some of the things that made you go, God, I'm just going to start my own company. I need to run my own show. Right. What was the motivation there? Right. Well, I certainly worked uh, as an assistant to various different people, an associate producer. I was doing some script writing on the side. I sort of leveraged my way out of the location department, um, which I fondly call permits and porta potties and into the art department of some movies. I got to work on Forrest Gump, which is an amazing experience and, and many other films after that. And so I was kind of working my way up through the Hollywood scene, if you will. But I kind of could see that it was going to take an incredibly long time to get to the director's chair or the producer's chair. Although in fairness, Wendy Feinerman was one of the first women producers. She was one of the producers on Gump. But uh, but there weren't very many other women like her, and there were certainly not a whole lot of women directors at the time of those big tentpole movies. And so uh, I could so, sort of see the writing on the wall. And so once I felt like I had enough under my belt, uh, I decided to launch my own production company. This is true for many people in many businesses working for someone else, specifically women, where they're like, I need to run my own show. I need not only artistic control, but financial control, operational control. And, right. um, you know, this is what is called the brain drain from corporate. So, yeah, and it's still happening today. Absolutely. And I, I think it's one of the main reasons why women do launch businesses. I mean, yes. in my case, I was literally wanting to call the shots, like direct the shots, <laughs> right. but also exactly. all the other components. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who are in that position. So, uh, and it means that sometimes you don't have all the skill sets you need to run a business, by the way. So uh, it definitely can be a challenge to, to get into, whether it's freelancing or building a bigger company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really quite the case. So you had talked about some skills that you had as a writer, obviously highly organized, able to, you know, your critical thinking was really great. You were able to budget. But what other essential skill sets did you use when you started your business? Well, I went to an all-girls school that was founded by the first woman to get a degree from in chemistry from Cornell. And she had a motto that she created for the school called, I will find a way or make one. Mm -hmm. It was in Latin, but you know, basically that's what it meant. And I think that's something I've always taken to heart. So I would say resilience yeah. is a key skill set that any 
entrepreneur needs because you're going to hear no a lot more than you hear yes. Right. And you just have to be able to brush that off and move on. So that would be the first thing. And then I think the other piece is teamwork. That's really something that I saw uh, in place on those big films. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody's supporting another player in that, in that scheme. Everybody is part of a, a team, a really big team. My team is much smaller, but I definitely have always surrounded myself with people who are smarter than I am and been willing to learn from them. And I think that's really a key skill for anybody in business. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off script here, but you use that. Uh, there's a type of leadership, which is very old school, called command control, which obviously you do not follow. But if you were going to just hallmark for me the best leadership traits, the ones that you intentionally follow, could you just top line them? You know, I've done the eight components of leadership. There are all these different things on a wheel. You can take lots of these different kinds of tests and understand where you are. As an entrepreneur, you're probably going to be on a similar place in the wheel that I am, but you have to be able to work with people who have a lot of different learning styles right. and make that a cohesive construct. And you have to work with clients who have different points of view and opinions and may really not understand the workflow of, of video production or whatever it is we're doing in the brand storytelling space. So it's I think that's been something that I've had to learn as a leader is to adapt and build on the strengths of others. Mm -hmm. And those communication skills that you can modify how you're speaking to someone in finance versus a creative versus someone who's right. on the ground doing a remote location and worried yeah. about all those specifics. So and I think it's really looking at things from their vantage point, which yes. we have to do anyway. I mean, in, in branded video content, which is effectively where we are, whether we're working with a nonprofit on an event launch, or as I'd like to say, we make people cry and write big checks um, for those nonprofits, or whether we're working on branded content for a corporation, we're trying to look at the content from the lens of the audience. What does the audience need to know? What do they want to know? What do they maybe misunderstand or not understand about this topic? So it's very similar to the kind of skills you need to lead a team. Right, a diverse team. So if you were going to give your younger self advice when you first got into media, when you, you hit the ground running, walking into an industry you weren't familiar with, but you had these really essential skills, what kind of advice would you give to yourself when you were starting your career that you didn't know when you started your career? Aside from moisturize more, I would say, um, <laughs> drink lots of water, which I really wish I could go back and say, wear sunscreen and moisturize more. Um, I would say, trust your gut. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in that early job, when I mentioned the awful boss that I had, you know, I knew that it was a terrible situation, but I probably should have come to that conclusion a lot sooner um, and trusted my instincts to flee the scene, you know, and I think that a lot of times um, as our younger selves, whether or not we're women, we don't always trust our instincts because maybe we haven't fully developed them yet in fairness. Um, but especially I think as women and particularly my colleagues who are women of color, LGBTQ, um, you know, AAPI, I think they're often taught to undermine their own instincts uh, as opposed to trusting themselves. This is definitely the case. Um, when you started your business and you have you have a very successful business, um, what do you know now that you wish you'd known then? 
Well, I, I think it's important to see your, your skill set strengths. Um, in my case, you know, writing is a big strength, which allows me to envision things and imagine things and imagine what they're going to look like after I've created something like we just finished a big project with a hundred years of broadcast history told in just a handful of seconds. And so imagining how the motion graphics would work, how we would tell the story through audio and video is a complex um, imagination project. So uh, you know, honing in on your own skills. And then if you have things that you're not good at, get other people on the bus who are good at those things or get them to help you or take a course. Um, I was lucky enough to sort of apprentice myself, um, you know, first to those location managers who were real geniuses at figuring out how to like take the director's vision and then like actually come up with a location where that could happen. Um, and then also, you know, apprentice myself to people who understood the budgeting or people who understood lenses or lighting or sound design. I mean, all of these things um, I had to learn on the job. So I think just constantly learning and being in a learning focused, you know, learning facing kind of way as you're developing your skills is really important. There's we never stop learning or we shouldn't. Yeah, it's to our disadvantage if we think we know the answers to everything. Totally agree with that. So what inspired you to create Gals in Gear? And can you just talk about the overarching mission statement of Gals in Gear first, and then what inspired you to create that vision? With Gals in Gear, we're really working towards equity in the media and entertainment and tech space. In whatever way we can do that, we want to plug in in any way that some organization is not already doing or support the other organizations that are doing it. Um, and so we're really uh, developing, first of all, networking opportunities for women, especially at big tech industry conferences where we're not often represented. Um, we're supporting women speaking on panels and giving, you know, technical papers so that people understand that yes oh there are women of color who understand sound engineering oh my goodness there's a you know an asian american woman who knows how to lead a major tech company i mean these are should be obvious things but they're not and so i think see it to be it and all of that is really important so we're we're amplifying and supporting women's visibility at industry events and then we've also launched into sort of the education space where we have our leadership summit with some core leadership skills that we teach and support women as they emerge through their leadership journey. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different pieces to it, but we really just started as a pop-up event because I, I like to say that I got tired of being in the bathroom in the ladies room by myself at a major event of a hundred thousand people. And I was like, where are the other women? Right. Usually there'd be a line out the ladies room and it kind of annoyed me that there wasn't. So, uh, I basically started it to just say, where is everybody? Where's my tribe? How can I help support women to feel like they belong? And so we've really tried to tackle, you know, the B of DEIB. There's other people who are doing things on equity and inclusion, and we're really focused on making sure that women feel like they belong in this industry. Right, and giving them the tools to see themselves in this industry. So let's just call it out, male-dominated industry. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you see for women who are currently working in media? I mean, I was just on the DGA website and out of the 19,000 members, 
only 3,500 are directors who happen to be female. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah, and it's and when you get into some of the technical spaces, it's a smaller percentage than yeah. that. If you look at the grips and electrics, the union that they're part of, it's about three percent female. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a couple of pieces. I think the number one enemy of anyone who feels that they're in a minority is self doubt. Yeah, uh, you have to have that confidence to walk into a room and say, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing with lighting," or "Yeah, I I am a really good cinematographer. Here's my reel. Here's what I know how to do." Um, or have the self confidence to walk up to somebody and say, "I don't know everything I want to know as a cinematographer. Can I be your AC? I do know enough about lenses to help you support you. I'd like to learn more from you." you know, and feel like they can, they can apprentice themselves to someone. So I think, I think self-doubt and, and not having that support network uh, to, to fall back on is really, uh, unfortunately, still a problem for women in a lot of different spaces in media and entertainment and tech. Yeah, totally agree. I know that um, I follow a lot of data and Harvard Business Review just at the end of 2022 had a research study where senior women said one of the most essential things that they had done to further their career was to create their circle of support. So I see that this is something that's really essential in Gals and Gear. You really do espouse that coming together. You talked about finding your tribe, building the tribe, really amazing. So if you were going to talk to women who were just starting saying, you know, I wanna work in media, I wanna work in entertainment, I wanna work in tech, what really boots on the ground advice would you give them other than find a mentor, build your circle of support network? What else would you tell them? Well, one of the reasons we called it Gals and Gear is the idea that you should get your hands on the gear. Um, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm absolutely wretched. I'm a wretched cinematographer. I'm a wretched sound engineer. I've, I've actually tried most of the jobs there are, editing, all that stuff, which is probably why I'm a pretty good director and producer because I actually know what all the jobs entail, but I'm really wretched at most of them, but I do know what the technology is. And I keep myself up to breast on what the tech is and what's what the industry trends are. So, you know, you have to be constantly educating yourself so that you are on the leading edge. So you are a go-to so that you're somebody that people trust and believe, you know, is knowledgeable about what's going on, which is one reason that I felt like it was important to have gals and gear um, at NAB Show, who, who've been a great partner to us, the National Association of Broadcasters has been a partner with us from the very beginning, because women need to be represented there, they need to be there to see what's going on. I mean, it's one and a half million square feet of show floor space, it's kind of overwhelming, um, especially to some of my team members who came with me this year who had never been. Um, but it's important. It's important to see, even if you're not there to purchase equipment, to see what what is what are the capabilities, what's happening in AI, what's happening in distribution, what's happening in cloud, what's happening in, you know, Web three and and all kinds of other tools. So, I think that's a really critical thing at, that women have unfortunately sometimes been pushed away from. Yeah. You know, the STEM side. Even if you're not going to have an engineering career, if you're going to work in a company that is based on engineering, you need to understand what is going on in that department. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said something that was really interesting, and um, I'm just going to take it another step where you talked about leading and you talked about 
understanding industry trends, understanding the technology used in the industry. And it's that ability to keep learning. And one of the things that we look for in a leader is that high level of expertise in their area of, I'll say area of experience, influence, impact, but it's gotta be so much more than that. So other than having that deep rooted expertise, that ability to keep learning and that understanding, oh, I'm not so great at this particular function. Let me find someone who is. What other components would you say are essential for a leader? And I'm using the phrase true leader, not someone okay. just with a title, because we know right. many people right. have the big title, but they're not leaders. Well, you know, um, just recently, I went with my family to Northern France and we visited the beaches of Normandy with uh, our kids. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you've seen the movie, you've read the book, but it is nothing like walking on a beach that is over 200 yards deep, 200 yards deep. And, and imagining those young men, boys really rushing onto that beach in the face of firepower, you know? And so I just think about that. I mean, basically leadership is overcoming everything in the face of doubt, <laughs> in the face of doubt and, and overcoming your fears and making sure that the others behind you also can overcome their fears and concerns. And so it's, you know, it's, it's not just jumping up the ladder by yourself. It's, uh, it's reaching back and ensuring that other people are, are there with you and beside you and potentially going past you. Uh, hopefully going past you because you've inspired them and they can see even further into the future. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think professional development for your team is is really essential. I want to use a kind of uncomfortable word here, but I'd really like to get your response to it. Uh, the word is feminist. And the question is, do you consider yourself a feminist? And how do you define that term? You know, I think that my mother was a feminist. She worked on Title IX legislation. She worked in the League of Women Voters to get all kinds of, of legislation passed to pave the way for women in my generation and, and the next. I think of myself as a humanist. Oh, okay. And I think that's kind of the next step is that all humans are entitled to respect. All humans are entitled to their space and a community of support who believe in them. Uh, and so I feel like that's kind of the next level of feminism is humanism. That evolution, I love that. Um, I know you do a lot of mentoring, motivating, and literally empowering women. Talk about your process a little bit. <laughs> well, you're assuming I have a process. Um, well, well I no, pretty... I know I know you do because we, we talked about it in our pre-production meeting. And, well, and... a little bit. I mean, I'm a very type A person, so you'd think I'd have this super organized process, but honestly at least with gals and gear, I literally just grab women. I grab them when I see them. I just see the spark in them or that, you know, they're reaching out and they have some interest or some need. And I just try to figure out who I could connect them with that could help them and support them. Uh, you know, we, we brought one of the young women uh, who's been on my social media team. I've never had to meet her, never got to meet her in person until she came to Las Vegas with us. She's in the Miami area normally. And it was just so fabulous to meet her in person. And then she connected with all these other people. 
We brought students from two HBCUs who also, I'd met one of them because I went to a career fair and, and did some recruiting, but basically I hadn't met the other young women. Um, so a lot of it is just grabbing people and saying, you need to meet this person, you should meet this woman, or this guy could help you because we have allies who are men too. So we, we don't wanna leave them out of the picture. So you know, a lot of it is just kind of reaching out and grabbing people and, and making sure they, they have a good community experience. I think that that is actually a really one of the essential leadership skills is to be able to quickly um, say, wow, there's an opportunity here and how can I make it really a valuable opportunity and create connection. And I love that's it's just kind of the way your mind works, isn't it? I, I really appreciate it. It kind that. of is, which is probably to the detriment of my company to a certain extent, because you know I should probably be out there handing out my card and, and tooting my own horn about all the great video stories that we've told. But honestly, as soon as I meet people, I'm always thinking like, who should this person meet? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that ability to connect is really essential. Um, we've talked a little bit uh, in our pre-pro meeting about owning the narrative, taking control of the narrative, and you're known for your storytelling ability. So if you were gonna speak to women who may have that, wow, I didn't really get the support I needed, to pursue this career, or I really wasn't um, told, of course you can do this. So maybe they've got some self-doubt, a little confusion about where they wanna go next. How has a storyteller, could you convey to them, oh no, you're just getting started. You can control your narrative. You can speak to others and show what you bring to the table and you can get a job in this industry. How would you have them control their narrative? What would you? Point everyone, everyone has a story to tell. Yeah, that's an organization or an individual. And yeah. the question is, how do you shape that story? Yes. You know, there's pieces of it that you have no control over where you were born, you know, how much money your parents had, all those kinds of things. You have zero control over that. But what can you shape that you do have control over? And so, you know, I teach some workshops on career strategy. And a lot of times I'll talk to people about, you know, Jim Collins, you know, BHAG, the, the, in his good to great book, the big, hairy, audacious goals. And I'll say, you know, put that bullseye on that BHAG. I mean, maybe it's not going to happen today or tomorrow and you have to put small steps behind it. How am I going to get there? Um, but I always have my big goals on my on my whiteboard that's just to my right in my office. It's always on the wall. And, you know, I've got a million other tasks to do as well. But I try to keep my eye on those big goals. And that's really what I would recommend to people, because that's how you shape your story. You can't let other people shape it for you. Right, right. That's so counterproductive. Um, if there was one message, an idea, or a concept that you would really like to communicate to listeners, could you top line that for me? Sure. Well, I'm going to be greedy and say two, because if, you are a woman in, if you're a woman in media and entertainment, we'd love to have you be part of our Gals and Gear community. And you can sign up for that at galsandgear.tv. Um, and I would also love it if you are in a company that wants to hire a good storyteller who knows video and digital content to connect with me and follow me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of posts that help support people who are digital storytellers. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram at adbrandbuzz. I'm trying to get off the Twitter habit, so I'm, I'm <laughs> getting over to getting over to Instagram. So meet me over there, um, and I'd love to connect with you. That's awesome. So listeners could either find you on LinkedIn, 
uh, they can go to galsandgear.tv. Just repeat all of that again one more time, please. Sure. Gals and Gear, so G-E-A-L-S-N-G-E-A-R.tv, or you can find me on amydlouise.com or on LinkedIn. Awesome. Amy, this was absolutely my pleasure. Any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to share? Like I said before, uh, the motto of my old school, you can find a way or make one. Yeah. That's really got to be the way to go forward. Over, yeah. under, around, or through. You can do it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was absolutely my pleasure today. Mine as well. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky.coach. Thanks for listening.